Support Ops Podcast, a show devoted entirely to bringing some humanity back to the world of customer support. My name's Chase. I'm the guy behind supportops.co. This is episode number six, and since it's the holidays, I'm throwing in an extra surprise with this one. So typically we have one great guest on the show, but this time you get a two for one. We actually have TJ Stein and Sarah Carter, both from Media Temple. TJ is the director of customer support there, and Sarah is the MT chief correspondent who basically helped define their, their social media guides. So, you know, these guys are great. I personally use Media Temple for website hosting. Their, their customer support is one of the best out there, especially when it comes to website hosting. So I am thrilled that they're on the show. I'm thrilled the one uh, that I get to use them as a, uh, a host for uh, supportops.co and the rest of them. So thanks, TJ and Sarah, for being here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. Awesome. So let's start with a little bit of background. Um, how long, ha- and you can kind of take turns with this one, how long have you been with Media Temple? And more generally, how long have you been in the world of customer support, customer service? What's your, your background coming into Media Temple? Sure. I'll, I'll go ahead and start with that one. So um, I've been with Media Temple for almost five years now. I think in February it'll be five years. But, um, you know, initially moved out to Los Angeles thinking I'd land some glamorous job in online publishing and ended up at Media Temple, thankfully. Uh, started as a, an entry-level tech, um, helping our customers with you know a variety of different issues. And I learned very early on in that position, I was very passionate about just helping people. And I think that um, it, this has been one of the really the one, most rewarding experiences in my life. Uh, yeah, I've been at Media Temple for two years, a little more than two years. And um, actually, my very first job was in customer service. When I was 18, I got a job at Guitar Center and uh, had no idea what I was doing with sales. I just thought, oh, I'm a musician. I play guitar. I want to work at a guitar store and had no idea what I was getting into. But I got sales training and uh, customer service training there. And I've been pretty much doing it ever since in various companies. Awesome. So when you started at the Guitar Center, what was like the biggest shock or, or what was the newest experience for you? Because like you mentioned, you know, uh, playing guitar is one thing. Trying to sell it to a person is kind of a little different. Yeah, it is a little bit different. Um, I mean, I, I really kind of – I actually got full-on sales training and how to how to read people and how to talk to people. And so that, that really was the biggest, I guess, shock was um, – not realizing there was sort of a whole science behind it rather than just, you know, oh, I think I know something about guitars because I play them. I, I had to learn a whole lot about all of the brands and all the different products we sold and, and how to how to talk to people and how to figure out, you know, where their head was at and how to sell. <laughs> well, cool. So, you know, you've both kind of got that background experience. When we focus in on Media Temple, let's, uh, again, start with some basics. So how big is your support team? So uh, our current headcount for the customer support department is 86. Uh, so that includes frontline agents. You know, those are the guys that are picking up the phones, answering support requests and things like that. But that also includes uh, our QA department. We have a social media team. We have training, um, obviously management, and there's some other specialized teams as well. So it's not just 86 guys that are all picking up the phones, but we have like a whole crew 
that um, you know that that helps out basically run running everything. So um, in total, we represent about half the company. Uh, obviously, next year we're definitely going to be ramping up uh, hiring. Uh, we're going to be looking for uh, you know a lot of entry level agents to to come on board. So if you want to come work with us, then uh, you know come hit us up. Yeah, and seriously, if you are looking for a job, Media Temple is the best out there. Don't work for like AT and T or something like this. <laughs> Go where the support's done right, and and these guys. And you're gonna hear me say it over and over through the show because Media Temple is so fantastic. Um, I love them. Um, they they do it. They do support right. So if you are looking for a job, hit them up. Um, so I, I like this idea of kind of breaking a couple of things out. Um, you know, personally, we. Uh, at 37 Signals, we run a pretty flat support team. So there are uh, about eight, ten of us that answer any and every question that we got. We just recently broke out and have our, our first dedicated QA kind of guy um, who's doing that. With your, your frontline agents, is there kind of different tiers of support, like level one, level two, that kind of thing? Or is it just kind of anybody can answer any question that's thrown at them? Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think for uh, you know for a number of years, we had a pretty um, – basic model where, you know, a pretty, a pretty traditional tiered service model. So starting from like entry level all the way up to like our senior support staff. And we never, we never really introduced that concept of like skills-based routing. So for a company of our size, we really had to embrace that within the past year. I think that, um, to provide really good service experiences, you have to match the, the level of expertise from the agent with the needs of the customer. And so for, for years, we weren't really um, properly doing that. So we've sort of built these things into um, our, our support channels now. So we're doing that with our, our phone support, and we'd like to do that across all of our channels as well. So, so yeah, I, I think for the most part, we have a pretty, pretty traditional tiered service model. But I think where it begins to differ from most call centers is really the leadership team. I think that you know we're, we're basically broken up in, into ser- several teams. So each of those teams has their own team lead. These team leads really provide, you know, um, anything from escalation support, um, you know, uh, just technical guidance uh, or any sort of general assistance. But these guys are also doing weekly one-on-ones, goal setting, and check-in. So basically, uh, because of the nature of this role, we're able to sort of, you know, physically situate them very closely with their direct reports. So it does a lot of uh, it does a lot of positive things for team building and obviously morale. And I think that. These guys are the real, like, true leaders in, in every sense of the word. So I think from, uh, you know, again, the service model standpoint, we're, we're a little traditional, but uh, we definitely have some uh, pretty unique uh, features in terms of the, the leadership team. That's awesome. So with the, uh, the leadership team, are these kind of set roles? Do they, do they rotate in and out, or is it kind of you are hired in the, into this position and you're going to kind of stick with it if you're a good fit? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think that, um, you know, basically anyone in this role now was, uh, has been on the floor. So they either started as like a CS1, which is like our entry-level agent, and then worked their way up. Uh, or they sort of, you know, they excelled in their current position, so they wanted to become, you know, something uh, within the leadership team. So, um, so yeah, I mean, uh, for, for many of them, if not at all, I'm trying to think of, of everyone right now, but I'm almost certain that uh, that everyone came from uh, a CS1 or CS2 position. So pretty much everybody, um, you know, took their fair share of calls before making their way up to that that role. Cool. And, and so with these, 
And I like how you termed uh, you, you call them frontline agents. You know, that's that's mm-hmm. pretty cool because they are on the front lines there. Are they uh, let's see, what's the best way to put this? Um, so you offer support via phone, email, live chat, all that kind of thing. Do do, do they kind of stick in a specific channel? Like if they're they're on the social media, do they stick with that? If they're in like phone support, do they stick with that or, or do they move around like I guess at the end of the day, how do you keep your agents from getting burnt out on answering a billion emails all day? Yeah, that's that's a really good point. So right now we do have it uh, set up to where there's basically um, teams. So we have guys that are like in our CS3 level, for example, and they're mainly responsible for uh, chatting with our customers. We recently introduced chat support, uh, which is something that we've wanted to do for years. And so we, we got that rolled out in 2012. And uh, we definitely wanted to address some of those like burnout effects, like you said, where we don't want to keep someone answering support requests all day or answering the phone all day. So um, within those teams, I mean, you're able to assign people to different roles. So we can move people in and out of different queues and say if you want to tweet for a little bit and you've got training on how to do social media, then by all means, if uh, if there's a need for it, then we'll definitely put you there. But we definitely uh, we also understand that, you know, uh, depending on the impact of service levels we have to have staffing you know proper for each channel so like you said in in your initial email we definitely offer a lot we cover phone email live chat and you know social media support so um, these are all things that we offer 24 7 so it's it can be difficult at times uh, to make sure that everything is covered but um, you know a lot of that comes down to the balancing that you know the employee experience to the, the customer experience so one of the things that that kind of kept coming up uh, again and again, especially when I'm interacting with with Media Temple or even in our conversation today, is kind of the emphasis you're putting uh, the, that Media Temple has put on social media. And I know Sarah's been instrumental in here. So when it comes to social media, um, do you find it only there to help with customer support? Is it a marketing tool there too? Kind of how? How does your social media play out on a day-to-day basis when it comes to interacting with customers? It's really both, and they're kind of one and the same nowadays, I think. Um, As far as Media Temple's strategy with social, it started out pretty rooted in providing customer support um, over Twitter. And uh, we've sort of taken it into like an entire social media strategy. So we mainly provide support over Twitter because that's – that's where people go to try and get help. Facebook, we see some comments here and there, but we have a link to um, our support chat on our Facebook page as well. And then there are other, of course, marketing things that we do and promotions that we that we put out on Twitter, on Facebook, on Google+, Plus. Um, you know, basically all of the major channels. But when somebody is asking for help and if they don't get it, that's sort of bad publicity for you and for your company. So if somebody asks for help and you help them right away, you know, the, the quicker, the better, the friendlier, the better. And if you can get their problem solved publicly, that's good marketing. That's good PR. So I really think that they're kind of, you know, one in the same now. Yeah. It's coming to the point now where good customer support is, is a facet of marketing. It's one of those where it, you know, if I'm on the fence between two apps and, and one of them has fantastic customer support, I'm going to lean there and, there's some apps that I even use I, I'm not thrilled with, but I'm thrilled with their support team, so it makes it worth it in the end. Right. right. Absolutely. And and as far as on a day-to-day basis, I mean, we have people that are covering the Twitter feed solely for support um, 24-7. 
And um, I handle pretty much all of the the marketing promotion for all of our social channels. But I'm also keeping a close eye on um, our Twitter feed and how how it's going with support. Um, You know, sometimes things break, there's an incident, and I have to keep an eye on when that's happening, too, so that we can all be on the same page. Yeah, so with your customers uh, being kind of stretched out that far, do you find, you know, web hosting in itself can get pretty complicated. Um, it, you guys make it really easy, especially if you're like me, just running a basic WordPress on a, a virtual server and you're happy. Um, but do you find that customers that are tech savvy kind of generate or, or congregate more toward one channel? Or do you find people that are brand new and kind of freaking out trying to contact your own Twitter? Like, do you see any patterns as far as the, the tech savvy versus the people that really don't know about websites, but know they want to get involved yet? Uh, yeah, that's, that's another good question. I think that, I mean, providing support for something like web hosting, it's just, it's difficult for so many reasons. I mean, it's just this large sandbox where you're, you can just get into trouble in so many different ways. So it is important to know, I mean, obviously we do provide, um, you know, a, a few different hosting platforms, some of them aim towards like, you know, the mass market and then other that were more specialized or businesses and developers and even enterprise solutions. But I mean, given that, you know, a customer's support needs can vary across the entire product spectrum. So regardless, we, you know, we want to provide the same level of care for every customer, not just the ones who pay a little extra or maybe are even more tech savvy. So in, in my personal experience, I think that the tech savvy ones don't really contact us as much. Um, and if they do, they, you know, they prefer chat because they may be already in the account center and things like that. It's, it's usually the customers who know, you know, just enough to get themselves into trouble. You know, if they've installed a, a WordPress plugin or something and it's just caused some issues with their website. And uh, that, that's where we really have to step in and sort of help them get them on the right track. But I think that on a sort of savviness level that the tech savvy guys generally stay in chat. And, you know, if you're just at home or you're in your car and you have email issues, you may want to call. So um, it's just uh, it's pretty much all over the board. So it's really hard to say that, you know, one one particular segment of customers prefer uh, prefer each channel. I find that more tech-savvy customers, too, turn to social, but not necessarily even um, at us directly, but we'll find people looking for help with a more in-depth, uh, not necessarily related to their web hosting, but maybe their you know their server configuration that they've done or their applications. I see a lot of things on things like Stack Overflow or um, some some forums and things, tech forums, things like that. Awesome. So just to, to kind of step back and kind of give listeners a, an idea of scale here, how many customers are you interacting with on a daily basis as far as, and let's just cover, you know, if you can, all of them, you know, how, if you're looking at phone, email, live chat, Twitter, Facebook, all of them, how many, are, how many interactions are you working with on a day? Sarah, do you know the Twitter? I mean, offhand, I'm just curious. Um, I know that on average, we, we probably have about a thousand messages a week and that's not necessarily a thousand people but that could be mm-hmm. you know individual messages um and so yeah about a thousand messages whether it's an at mention or a search result or um dm a week on twitter um it's kind of hard to say with facebook that's less uh, for support i guess but i'll go with a thousand a week <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that um you know via chat we probably get about um, 300 to 500 a day. Um, so that's, 
that's 500, obviously, on the, the high end of uh, the spectrum. And then um, probably about the same from support requests. And those are sort of like the customer-generated tickets that you would do through the account center. And then um, phones are probably um, a little bit more on the decline now that we've introduced chat support, that we've, we're finding that uh, chat support obviously is becoming more popular and phones are sort of decreasing. So uh, we're getting probably about 200 to 300 calls a day. So um, that sounds like a lot, but if you spread it out over a 24-hour period, it's not too bad. You say that, and it still sounds like a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like I said, I mean, it can, you know, we're, it's really seasonal. So right now we're in what I would consider like the the winter doldrums of support. I mean, uh, you know, we're a little more uh, lax right now. We're kind of in autopilot mode, but I mean, come January 1st, it's like that, um, that feeling that everyone gets when they have to go and sort of sign up for a new gym membership. It's that same sort of uh, cosmic uh, alignment that's going to happen January. January 1st, everyone is going to call their hosting provider. So we're just sort of like prepping for that. I mean, we're enjoying this now, but it's going to get very busy in a few weeks. I would have never guessed that hosting (laughs) was the same as a gym membership as far as cyclical like that. Yeah. Like I said, it's just some cosmic alignment that's happening. I don't know what it is, but people typically sign up for the gyms and then call their web hosts. (laughs) It's it's a New Year's resolution. Somebody says, I'm going to have a website this year. So Yeah. And then they forget about it by the second week of January. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we can generally, I mean, we generally find that like, you know, we operate a lot of ad agencies and a lot of, uh, web designers and a lot of, um, you know, small businesses. And these guys basically get budgets approved for the new year and, uh, they have some new ideas that they want to tackle. And we're definitely that place where customers want to call and see if they can accomplish what they're working on with us. So, um, that's a good thing. I mean, we don't mind those interactions. We just have to, we have to be able to get to them quickly and provide, you know, good service experiences yeah having lots of customers is a good thing not a bad thing yeah anyway certainly not certainly not so you mentioned uh 24 7 365 support how do you manage to pull that one off is it people in different time zones is it people in the same kind of location working different shifts and and kind of can delve into that and, and kind of talk about how you manage to provide that always there support when they need it yeah, so we have one central office here in Culver City, and this is where the call center is based out of. So we are staffed 24-7 for all channels, so that means that at least on-premises we have you know a few agents, uh, especially throughout the later evening hours into what we call sunrise through midnight and 6 a.m. You know, there's only going to be a, you know, a smaller staff, if you will. Obviously, the demand isn't nearly as high as it is, you know, say at like 8 a.m. to to 2 p.m. That's sort of our peak volume. So we really staff according to demand. So we look at our call volume, our ticket volume and things like that, and basically uh, adjust the scheduling as needed. So we can be pretty flexible. We used to have a system that was um, basically three shifts and you fell into one of those three shifts. And we found that that didn't really meet our customers' needs very well because essentially calls would, would pile up up until 10 a.m. And then when our uh, what we called swing shift at the time would come in, it really didn't help up until that point. So we really staggered the shifts out a lot. Uh, but I think on like a, a global sort of level for the company, I think that 
um, you know, support is our flagship product. And I think that everyone at Media Temple, you know, plays a role in taking care of our customers. And that's not just like, again, like I said, the frontline agents picking up the phones. It's it's really everyone plays a part in that. And like I said, if it sounds easy, it's really tough. You know, um, we weren't particularly good at it for a number of years, to be honest. And I think that we've still got a lot to improve upon. Um, you know, I think you know, for years we had one part of that equation nailed down and that was the company culture. I mean, we, we just had run this absurdly cool company. I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of the inside or met any of our employees, but we have a lot of fun. And, uh, that, that part of it, we had nailed down. It was just so, it was so much fun and so cool to work here, but we didn't really have a service model that designed people to excel. So I think that we're sort of, you know, you know, getting a little bit better at that, reducing the job um, complexity and so forth. But we, like I said, we still got a long way to go. So when you're running this size uh, of an operation and you mentioned that you're scaling up even, even bigger numbers next year, as far as hiring more people and that kind of thing, what do you find is the biggest challenge when it comes to making sure everything goes right? Um, I think for me personally, I think the biggest struggle has been, you know, really the balance between, you know, that customer experience and the employee ex- experience. We want to keep, um, you know, everyone engaged and, and sort of ready to take on these, you know, big, massive challenges. We have a lot of customers to support. And to be honest, it's, it's not easy. You know, some of these uh, some of the calls may uh, may be repetitive, you know, if there's an incident or something, and and uh, you know morale can can turn very quickly. So we have to keep everyone engaged, and and that's really important for us. And we have to have this, you know, very clear vision for success. And getting getting everyone's support isn't easy. And you know, I think in terms of all the typical call center problems. I mean, obviously, just like any other call center, we see or we have seen absenteeism. You know attrition, lack of engagement, things like that, you know, but to me, those are just, you know, symptoms. I think that, um, at the time we were facing some of those problems, I think we just had, you know, some poor design choices in the the kind of the, the DNA of our support model, if you will. So again, I think I'm very proud to say, I think we've addressed most of those issues up until this point. So it's not nearly as much of a problem as it used to be, but, uh, definitely, um, definitely a lot of improvements since uh, a couple of years ago. But I think that, um, again, I think that really balancing that customer experience with what you want to achieve and what's possible and the, the reality of, uh, you know, with everything you're working with, uh, that's, that's been the biggest challenge. So as you get ready to, to start ramping up for next year and, and, you know, knowing that the challenges you've had in the past with the absenteeism and the morale and, and kind of fixing those, what's your training going to be like for hiring these new people in? Is it kind of, uh, here's these workbooks, here's these guides, here's these classes, that kind of thing. Is it, is it more one-on-one? What's, if I got hired at Media Temple tomorrow, what, what could I expect as far as training goes? Um, that's a really good question as well. So I think that, uh, we have a pretty, I mean, I, again, I don't know the onboarding process for a lot of other companies that are doing, uh, or offering, you know, web hosting and things like that. But we, in my opinion, have a pretty rigorous onboarding process. So, um, just hiring alone, you can expect uh, a phone interview, 
uh, at least one in-person interview and then what we call a culture fit interview. And that's where we invite the candidates back to our office and really they get to meet the team and it's, it's um, a chance for them to sort of relax. They don't have to bring the resume and they don't have to uh, wear the, you know, the interview clothes and you may be very casual and just uh, have some lunch with us. And it's a, it's a chance for us to get to know the candidate very well and understand where they're coming from and hear their stories and, um, you know, not really think about um, necessarily the job qualifications at that point, but rather is this someone that we could picture ourselves working with uh, very closely. And also they, you know, the candidate can ask, you know, the same question, is this a company that I want to spend a lot of time with? So, um, that's really, you know, part of the, the initial hiring process, but even after that, it gets even harder. So say you're hired, you spend two weeks in training upstairs in what we call the box. So the box is like this big kind of oddly shaped room sitting on top of our offices. It's a box. Yeah. It's a box. It's a literal box. (laughs) Right. Yes. So it's our classroom setting. And so we have, um, like I said, we have a, a training staff that is dedicated to providing, um, you know, the, the onboarding and training needed to understand our product line. So, um, we have a lot of proprietary systems that are very difficult to understand for even someone knowledgeable with like Linux system administration. So even if you know all the core concepts of hosting, there's still some stuff internally that we have to explain. So it takes a little while to get you used to it. And there's just going to be some things that you don't know right off the bat. But uh, after those two weeks and uh, you've got through the initial training, you spend another two weeks on the floor, what we call shadowing. And so um, you listen to an agent, take some phone calls and you see them take some support requests and chats and re- really get a feel for the workflow. And we don't really dictate oh, like you know, uh, uh, anyone's workflow. We give them uh, pointers, if you will. We give them ideas on like what can improve efficiency, but we don't really give them a handbook of like phrases to utter out to customers when they get into a problem. We generally find that um, when you give them the opportunity to use their best judgment, you're going to have a better service experience because they're not reading out of a, a manual, if you will. So um, there isn't really like a, a guidebook to sort of um, you know dictate answers and provide uh, help to customers. So very open-ended in that respect. I think it's maybe a little bit different among some of the larger corporate ISPs and things like that. So. Um, but yeah, that's the general gist of how we would bring someone on board after, after that point, I think that's like a six week time frame. Uh, you're ready to sort of go out on your own. That's when you push them out of the nest and hope they can fly, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's always difficult because, you know, I, I've been, um, for the past year or so really involved with the hiring process. So you're kind of like emotionally invested in this person. You've, you know, you've sort of embraced them as an employee and then said, I trust you that you're going to do extremely well during the training and then send, send them on their way. So sometimes when it hasn't gone well, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's frustrating because you're, you try to internalize it and you ask yourself, well, what didn't I see or what did I not train well? So, um, um, we look at that process a lot, and I think that even even now we can still improve upon some of the things that we're doing. But I'm, I'm pretty confident that our, our success rate has, has been pretty good throughout the past year, and I think that it's it's going to get even better. So you mentioned you had some pretty rigorous internal apps that, that they get trained on. Um, when it comes to your customer support, are you using all internal apps or using anything that we might know of, uh, public things like – uh, or is it all more home built and, and home designed for exactly what you need it to do? 
Yeah, right now we're using kind of like a, a homebrewed solution. So that's like basically where we take all of our support requests and interact with like our customers in terms of like any billing needs and things like that. But um, it's a very closed platform. And again, it's, it's definitely got us to the point where we're at now. But we realize that to continue scaling, we're going to need to make, you know, significant innovations in that space. So um, we're actually working with um, Salesforce right now on their service cloud. So um, that's going to be something we're working on throughout really all next year, trying to implement uh, service clouds. So on the social side, I think that um, we we are um, pretty much on TwitSpark. Isn't that right? Yeah, we're on TwitSpark. It's an awesome tool. And they're actually um, looking into integrating with Salesforce as well, which will be excellent for us. It'll just keep things streamlined and everybody connected. Awesome. So, wow, we've covered so much. It's one of those, well, <laughs> well now what? Uh, the other thing, you know, and I'm trying to keep these, these shows as short as possible, so we'll kind of one or two more questions and I'll let you go. So I'm, I'm really interested in the social media aspect just because it's something that I don't have a lot of experience in. Uh, you know, I, we're doing Twitter now and that it has shown to be a really big hit, but it's it's solely customer support. We really don't use it for marketing, or traditional marketing, or, or that kind of sense. Um, so, Sarah, when you when you walked into Media Temple's social media space or lack thereof in the beginning, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, kind of what was your thought process? Why did you go with Twitter first, and 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 why in the world are you on Google Plus or other people on that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people. More than you would think, actually. And the release of their communities in the last couple of days has actually been pretty interesting. I've been um, spending a lot of time in the communities. It makes it really easy to to interact with a certain group of people that are interested in a certain thing. Um, so that's been – I'm heading for that a lot right now. We haven't been super active on Google+, Plus just as a platform for getting the word out for anything. It's been more – so to keep keep an eye on if people are talking about us or or asking questions and and just trying to engage anywhere that our customers are. So that one's definitely not the top, you know, top one. But we're there. Um, but I started on Twitter because that's what I was hired to do, just to be a support agent um, for our customers on Twitter. And um, and then I started stepping out into every other social platform and just monitoring for mentions of media temple on the web in general. And, um, what I was really doing when I was trying to figure out a way to kind of up our engagement and find out, you know, how we can really start to be present on other social channels was just, uh, sort of observe and research and trial and error as far as what kind of people are in our community. Um, what do they like? What are they posting? So, I mean, we, we're kind of a geeky company, and we have a lot of, you know, techie customers. We have a lot of design customers and, you know, a lot of people that like memes and things like that and have similar interests in, in what we do, you know, Star Wars and Apple and all of that. So I found that posting things that were related to those things really worked as far as engagement, and it humanized us as a brand as well. So humanizing Media Temple and letting people know that, hey, this big techie web hosting company, they're actually like us. That helps build brand loyalty, and and it also um, helped us to get to know our community better and vice versa. 
see, Star Wars and Apple, you're speaking to the inner geek in me. You know, if if y'all come out and did something with The Walking Dead, you'd have my soul right there. <laughs> That's the third that. part of the Trinity right it's there. Entirely possible. I mean, we do uh, this thing called Friday Fun Days, and it's every other Friday on our Facebook page. Um, we just have some sort of it's either a trivia question or a photo caption contest or something like that, and whoever our random winner is will get some MT swag and uh, a geeky toy, which is usually something from Think Geek, which everybody loves Think Geek, right? I mean, I think everyone does. If they so, don't, they should. They that's should, right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's really just our community. So I, I just tried to tap into that as much as possible and, and you know, s- just post things and just see what worked, see what didn't. And I found that a lot of people just, you know, people use Facebook to share funny memes and to talk about, you know, their design they just made or a, a CSS trick that they just learned or, um, you know, this uh, Doctor Who thing they just bought or whatever it is. So uh, I just really tried to tap into that and, and immerse ourselves in it as well and just connect with them that way. Yeah, it, you know, if your Facebook doesn't have a good meme on it, then you're not using it right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's just how it is. I mean, the only reason I'm still on Facebook is for the memes and pictures of my little niece. That's it. That's right. <laughs> yes. well. Awesome. So the last question, uh, and you can kind of both toss it back and forth and share it again. Um, it's one I like to ask all the people on the show just to kind of put, sh- put the shoes on the other foot. So tell me about the best customer service, the best customer support you've ever gotten where you're on the receiving end. Not something that you, you've given and worked with a customer, but somewhere where you said help or, or whatnot and had to contact support. You go first, Sarah. <laughs> yes, everyone go first. Everyone, everyone go first. At the same time. Um, I actually, the first one that comes to mind, um, it was sort of, I had a really bad customer service experience and a really good one within the same company, within the same time frame. It just was a matter of two different people. Um, but I was at the airport and I had received a text message uh, for that saying that my flight was delayed by a substantial amount of time. So I got to the airport much later, um, you know, thinking that it was delayed. And it turns out that it wasn't delayed at all and the plane had already left. So I was trying to work with the the person at the counter about it and she wasn't really able to do anything and didn't really seem willing to help. She wasn't really empathizing much and it was very frustrating. So, um, I eventually got to the gate and was expecting to wait for another four hours for the next flight. And when I talked to another person, just sort of at the help center, the help desk there, um, I explained what was going on and he immediately got on the phone and did everything he could to try and get me on the next flight out for no additional cost. And I was just blown away by that because the last person I had talked to made it seem like it wasn't really possible to do anything without spending a bunch of extra money. And this person just hopped on it immediately. And so I was really impressed by that. And even though it ended up not really working out because it was too late, um, I was still thoroughly happy with the fact that he, that he tried so hard and so quickly. So, and that was somebody from, uh, from JetBlue. JetBlue. I gotta love those guys. If they flew into Nashville, I'd actually fly them more, but <laughs> yeah. I'll stick with my Southwest for now. They're pretty awesome. I love Southwest too. No, I, I love Southwest too. They're probably out of all the airlines to fly with. They're probably the friendliest I'd say. Um, I think, I don't know if I have one as good as Sarah's, but I think that, um, a recent one I had was with ZocDoc. 
Uh, ZocDoc is like open table, but for doctor appointments instead of, you know, going out to restaurants. So, uh, essentially I made an appointment, um, and it was my first one through ZocDoc. And so, um, the doctor had to reschedule and, um, just called me directly. Uh, they left a voicemail and, you know, at the time I was fine with it. It didn't really matter, but ZocDoc found out about the, the rescheduling, uh, the appointment and they called me too left another voicemail just to make sure that everything was okay and that the service was, was, you know, um, on par. So I ended up calling them back just to see, you know, really what they wanted. I wasn't quite sure, but essentially they just wanted to make sure that this was a great service experience. They didn't like the fact that upon my first time using ZocDoc that my appointment had been rescheduled. So I ended up, I was just kind of like blown away that the fact that they were doing this, like sharing my experience with a couple of my coworkers, like just letting them hear the, the voicemail on my cell phone. And then, um, they ended up uh, sending uh, an Amazon gift card uh, later on down the road uh, because of the, uh, you know, sort of an apology. And then the, uh, the gift card, I was like, wow, it's totally unnecessary, but, (laughs) but sure. That's great. So I will uh, take your free Amazon gift card. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I will. I think that uh, as someone from Amazon, uh, maybe their CEO is uh, is uh, an investor, so I think they probably have a stockpile of those <laughs> gift cards like laying around. But that's okay. I still, I mean, still the just the fact that they had a human call me and kind of apologize and just make sure that I was okay was like really comforting. I mean, you don't really get that side of um, these, you know, um, these little startups, and so it's it's very cool to see that you know a startup that that big is spending time on their their service levels like that so it's it's very cool well awesome so with that we'll add this one to the books you can find the media temple team on twitter they're at media temple there highly recommend them again for web hosting if you're even thinking about starting a website next month when you sign up for your gym membership just go ahead pick them you're gonna love them um thanks to both of y'all for being on the show that was great see it was it was easy right Yes, thank you for having us. Even despite the uh, technical difficulties in the uh, beginning, there. Yeah, uh, we'll edit all that out. It's fine. So. As always, let me know what you thought of the episode and what you think about support ops in general. Hit me up on Twitter. I'm uh, twitter.com forward slash support ops. You can have it over to the website, supportops.co. Click on the contact link in the top there. If you're in iTunes, and I know that you're hating on the iTunes 11 redesign. It's bad. I know. I've heard. Um, anyways, go ahead and leave a comment or a review on there. It helps get the word out. It, it helps other people see that we're not just some crazy people talking about support so definitely just open up itunes 11 just for this that sole purpose the link is there on the page i'll make it really easy on you so if you would do that i'd greatly appreciate it as always i'm chase i'll see you again next time